0: I'm Nadal, and I want to welcome you to Beyond the Booty podcast. I have a passion to see women thrive and take control of our health, our hearts, our identity, and our life. This podcast will focus on identity, relationships, faith, health, and so much more. It will be a place where women are encouraged to discover our worth and empowers us to thrive whole and healed in a society that celebrates brokenness. I'm so happy you've joined the conversation. Hello everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Booty. Today we are talking about thriving after loss. So many of us go through loss through life. If you haven't been through loss yet, you may at some point experience loss in some capacity. Loss could be a lot of different things. It could be the death of a loved one, which is often one of the hardest things that we have to go through. It could also be loss of a career, loss of finances, loss of a relationship, Um, And then even losses as it relates to dreams that are unfulfilled. For example, if you're someone that longs to have children, but your body isn't doing what you hoped it did, that is a loss and that is a devastating loss. So today is going to be a little bit sensitive. I'm going to be sharing some details of Matt's death, but I'm doing this in an effort to show you that as devastating as some of these moments are are in our lives, that there is hope, and there is a real God that comes alongside you. And it's really our responsibility to choose whether we want to stay in despair or whether we want to get well and pursue the rest of our life thriving and not just surviving it. So I hope that you hang on with me. I am going to be sharing again some really personal details Um, But I want to paint the picture for you of how tough this moment was, and I'm going to try to get through it. It's really difficult to record. Um, But then also, I want to give you some examples at the end of how I didn't just survive these moments, but how I'm thriving now and what God is doing in my life, even after a devastating loss, the loss of a soulmate, my husband, the person that I was closest to, so... Um, but everything can really change in a moment. Everything changed in a moment for me. Matt's last words were do something as he reached for me and went into cardiac arrest, falling back on the, onto the hospital bed that he was sitting up in just seconds earlier. His eyes rolled into the back of his head. I stood there for a moment, still grasping his arm as his body retreated into the disheveled white sheets. I froze as the nurse frantically hooked and unhooked tubes while she yelled for backup. As I was standing there, I quickly thought back to our time just a few hours earlier when Matt looked at me, happy and full of life, from the hospital bed, and with so much love, he said, I'm sorry this is your life. I nudged him, gave him a kiss, and assured him that I wouldn't trade this life for anything, and I meant it. The sound of the piercing flatline then gave me a jolt to release his arm and run into the hallway of the intensive care unit to scream for more help from the staff. My mother-in-law Sherry was there with me, but she had exited the ICU lobby to make a call. When nurses pushed past me and I heard the code blue message over the loudspeaker, I ran down the hallway into the waiting area and screamed for Sherry to get back inside. Matt just flatlined, come quickly, I screamed. I felt like maybe she would know what to do. We both ran to his room and stood there in horror as two giant male nurses lifted his limp body while a third female nurse shoved a long flat board under him. There were machines and compressions and IVs and resuscitation all happening at once. There was a lot of yelling and a lot of numbers and a lot of medical jargon being yelled out. It was chaos, but then they got a pulse. They all took a step back from the very strenuous task of CPR, toweling off their dripping faces and taking sips of water that were being handed to them from various staff. They looked like fighters in the ring, knowing that they might have to go another round. So they hydrated, prepped, and looked around for incoming information that they could use to their benefit to win the next round. For now, they had gotten a pulse after several minutes without one. I was now just outside of the doorway, looking back at my broken husband. I walked about 10 feet away from the room, afraid of continuing to watch what was unfolding and the mark it would sear into my heart and mind forever. I reached for the dirty floor and sat down, my legs extended directly in front of me and my hands folded in my lap. I stared at my hands and tears clouded my vision. The cold of the hospital floor sent chills up my spine and I was physically shaking from the shock of what I had just witnessed and the temperature of the tile. This was the first time in years that I thought, wow, he could actually die because I was so certain that Matt would be healed and he survived anything because he always survived. Sherry knelt next to me and tried to encourage me. I don't remember her exact words. There was so much sound, and yet it was silent. She said something about God and timing and peace. He was so very sick, and her mom heart just wanted him at peace. She had been through so much with Matt and was always there for the big medical events in our life and carried him for 23 years before I ever entered the picture. Matt had battled leukemia, viral meningitis, and shingles four times, all before the age of 16. Just to name a few. His medical history could fill a room. He was a walking miracle and he was always full of joy, hope, and an unwavering belief in God. When the young male nurse approached me to ask what the instructions were in case he flatlined again, I said, try again. I said that for three more rounds and it wasn't working like I'd planned or prayed. The staff would get a temporary pulse and then he would flatline again. They stayed close each time they had a faint pulse, knowing that they should have called the efforts off already. They were maxing out on everything they could do, and he was so full of adrenaline and whatever else they were pumping into him. With his existing heart condition that he also had, I knew deep inside that the compressions and adrenaline only worsened his state and that without a miracle at this point, he was going to be in bad shape after this. I prayed this simple prayer to myself. I said, God, if you're not going to fully heal him, take him home. I spoke those words, but also believed that God could and maybe even would. I didn't want to see Matt suffer anymore. The rare and aggressive cancer that past year had already claimed his arm and neck movement, and he was in excruciating chronic pain. I simply could not stand to watch him suffer another day for my own selfish desires to want my husband here on earth. The same male nurse knelt next to me this time, meeting me where I sat, and asked what I wanted to do for the next round. His levels were not looking good, and they didn't have much hope. They needed me to decide if I wanted them to continue CPR or release my husband into eternity. For the moment, he was alive again. Alive is a very loose term. He had technically been dead for way too long between them getting a pulse again. Each time, they had let me enter the room as they dispersed for water, breaks, discussions, and a rotation of staff for the next code blue. I walked over to Matt and stared at his face between episodes, and his eyebrows twitched, and his heart was beating. I felt like I had failed as his wife, his protector, his prayer warrior, and his partner. I apologized silently to him, and then out loud. The truth was that his heart remained beating each time he had died because the pacemaker that had been put in 10 years before was still working, giving me a false hope that he was still present, but I could sense that his spirit was no longer in the room. His spirit was always bright and full of joy despite what life handed us, and I couldn't sense it anymore. The well-meaning nurse tried to convince me to let him go. Even if this works, he's going to be brain dead. He'll be a vegetable. His pacemaker is beating, but he's gone, ma'am. I didn't respond. I had so many thoughts going through my head. Miracles happen, I thought, but I didn't dare say this aloud at fear of looking insane in this atmosphere. Besides, I was too tired to convince him that Jesus could turn this all around despite their best failed human efforts. Years of believing in Jesus had exposed me to a world of miracles in my life and in the life of others. Surely this will be one for the books when he's raised from the dead, I thought to myself. Matt and I had often dreamed of his healing and the story that we would tell and the impact that it would have on others. We had a bottle of Veuve champagne that we refused to open until his healing was complete. I shook my head in disbelief. I shifted my prayers at this point and started praying that he would be raised from the dead. He would come back from the dead fully healed, I was certain. There were too many unfulfilled promises, too many things that we still had to do. I had had dreams about babies and being a mother. I looked at at the young nurse and he pleaded with me again to let him go. He was too comfortable having this conversation. He delivered the options to me like we were deciding on dinner. He'd just seen too much in his young life. What do you want to do if he flatlines again, he asked. Silence hung heavily between us for about 20 seconds. Ma'am, you're just prolonging what God has already decided. And his voice just trailed off. And with that last blow, I put my face into my hands and sobbed because I knew that he was speaking the truth. This wasn't supposed to be our story. I pray, I believe, I worship, I've loved Jesus for so many years. I'd sunk deep into a slump now on the dirty hospital tiles when the sound of the unrelenting flatline stabbed my heart for another round. The nurse looked at me knowing that the staff were now working tirelessly for nothing, but I couldn't say the words. Ma'am, he pleaded. I just stared past him into the room where Matt lay as tears continued to drip off my chin, soaking my shirt. My silence forced him to rush away to have the team continue CPR. They'd broken Matt in half. Somehow in the movies, it doesn't look so barbaric. The nurse returned to me while the team was still going to try to talk sense into me again. I looked up at him and finally shook my head up and down in a yes motion. Tears and snot and black mascara filling every pore and running into my mouth. The wife says, stop, stop, everyone stop. Time, and just like that, Matt's time of death was stamped. It had in fact been decided that Matt would enter eternity on February 2nd of 2016, 22 minutes before it was time stamped here on earth. He was 34. We've all suffered loss or will suffer loss in this lifetime, as I've mentioned before. Loss comes in many forms, but I think the hardest one to overcome is the pain and despair we experience when losing a loved one. Whether they're old or young, whether it was sudden or expected, loss is still something that is highly personal and very painful. But here's the news that I have to give to you today. It is absolutely possible to not only survive after loss, but to thrive. I'm a living example of this. The question remains, however, why do some people go on and thrive after a devastating loss while others do not? Like everything else, it comes down to choices, perspective, and to hope. Choices are ours to make while hope comes from God alone. When we lose something or someone, it's very easy for hope that isn't rooted in God to leave swiftly. After all, we likely had a hope that our time with them on earth would be longer or that it would we'd always have the career that we worked for, or that we just assume that our bodies are going to do what we need them to do to produce a child, for example. We have to choose whether we want to dwell in despair or to go on and allow God to heal us, to rebuild our lives, and to spare us from becoming bitter. God is always good, always. In moments like death, we may question why something happened, and we may even want to blame God for it. The thing is that God is infinite and he is wise. God doesn't kill people or destroy them. He's the giver of life. But we live in a world that's ruled by darkness and we're going to experience troubles. We're actually not promised to be exempt of trials. In fact, quite the opposite is true. God says that I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world in John 16, This is just one verse. There's so many more examples of life being challenging in the Bible. There are also even more verses about the abundant, healed, and whole existence that's available to those who walk side by side with Jesus. He's the giver of the things that are not tangible, like joy, hope, and peace. I watched Matt have joy while he suffered daily. No, he wasn't superhuman. He just trusted that Jesus loved him and had him. He didn't just believe in God, he believed God. I too had joy and peace despite what life offered up, and I still do. Why? I watched Jesus carry me through the ugliest moments. I watched him show up when all of my strength was gone. I felt him comfort me when I lost everything. And I've witnessed him not only rebuild my life, but promise me a second half that's even greater than the former. And it's being shaped right now. I remember the moments he spoke to me, the dreams where he showed up in the middle of the night to remind me that he was close. The people he would send in to remind me that he was working. I choose to see that I got to spend 11 years in a relationship that strengthened my faith, solidified what love looks like, and glorified God in so many seasons. I choose to extract the good from a devastating situation. Because the alternative to this is that I feel sorry for myself for the next 10, 15, or 20 years. But that simply destroys our own life, our own heart, and our purpose. God never meant for us to wallow in despair after loss, no matter what that loss is. That does not mean that we shouldn't take the time to mourn. Please do not misunderstand me. Take as much time as you need to mourn. But there is a time to mourn and a time to rebuild. If we let him, he'll turn our ashes into something more beautiful than we can imagine. He's the God who restores and rebuilds. There's an example in the Bible when the Israelites, whom God had rescued from slavery, were in the wilderness as they passed through to the promised land. In the desert, they were literally fed by God daily as manna fell from the sky each morning. However, on Sunday, there would be no manna, so they were instructed to take a double portion on Saturday so they could eat some on Sunday. Now, some families ignored this and they didn't gather enough on Saturday to be able to eat on Sunday. Guess what happened to those people? They starved on Sunday. The point here is that God will deliver the blessing, but it's up to us to grab a hold of it, to feed on it, to consume it, and then live. He isn't going to force feed us, but he is going to deliver a way out. We have to take hold of his rescue plan and put it in motion. Today is a day to do that. A friend once said to me, Nadelle, if you wait until the transmission has gone bad, it will be much more costly than if you take your car in for regular oil changes. If we don't get to know our loving father and wait until there's a tragedy, we're not going to be equipped in the midst of that with the knowledge and wisdom of his goodness, his love, and his ability to heal our broken hearts fully. This goes for any loss or trouble in this life. You have a beautiful life to fill out, live out, one that is full of promise and purpose and joy and peace, but you have to decide if you want this. Will you collect the manna, or are you going to choose to miss out on your portion of the blessing that is raining down from him? You know that bottle of Veuve champagne that Matt and I saved to be open when he was healed? Well, I finally popped it open at his burial. Matt was healed. It just didn't look like I expected I choose life on this side of eternity, and you can too. Thank you so much for listening. I know that this was a tough topic, but if you or someone you know has suffered loss and you'd like some encouragement, I actually wrote a 30-day devotional style ebook that you can download today um, on my my blog site. So it's beyondthebooty.com. If you go there, you can just link to it and download it. I wrote this ebook to help others who've been through loss for them to be able to encounter the truth and love of God. It also helps to know that you're not alone when you're going through this. So this also is a way for me to come alongside those who are suffering and just share some of my heart to let them know that they're not alone. So if you know anyone that's going through that or if that if that is you, please go check out the ebook. It's download. You can download it now. Also, thank you so much for listening, for supporting me. This has been a dream come true for me to pursue this writing and speaking um, gift that's been put on my life. And I just appreciate you coming alongside me. I appreciate all of the comments, the encouragement, and all of the questions that you send me. I answer every single one. So subscribe to the podcast. Also, subscribe to the blog. Um, You can read and see pictures there. I've posted some pictures of Matt um, and the champagne popping at his funeral. So if you are visual and you would like to go take a look, it's at beyondthebooty.com. Please subscribe, tell all your friends, and share. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.